hear that? Can you hear that? They're getting closer. It's the boys. Let's hear it for them. I'm Alex. Yeah. I'm Justin, and I hear them. I'm Pete. Pete, you hear those boys? Pete, you hear the boys. You hear the boys. Let's hear it for the boys, Pete. Because on, we you're are young. Here. You're young. You have good hearing. You're part of Gen V. <laughs> yes, we're all part of Gen V here because we're going to be talking about season one, episode two of the new Prime Video Show, the spinoff of the boys. The episode is titled First Day. Which bothered Pete, I know, because it's actually the second episode. It's the second you, day. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, they already had a... Well, the first day was orientation. The first episode was orientation. They were getting there, getting into their dorms. This is the first official day of classes. So, yeah. okay. does that help? Yeah. That helps. Open? Thank you. Oh, Thank okay. you. I appreciate that. All right. If you haven't seen the episode, it's live now on Prime Video, but uh, go watch it. We're going to talk about spoilers throughout the episode to give you a little bit of a recap we are picking up on the big cliffhanger of the last episode at Godalkin University, a university for soups. It was the first generation that really knows that they were injected with Compound V. They did not get their powers by God or nature or whatever. It was given to them by their parents who kind of suck. So regardless, <laughs> maybe this is an out, uh, caused by that or not. We don't know. This seems to be one of the central mysteries of the season. There's something called the woods at Godalkin uh. University. Messed with the brain somehow of Golden Boy, who was the Golden Boy of the college. He killed the former dean of the college, Brink, and then blew himself up. It affects a bunch of characters a different way. Marie, who has the power of controlling blood, is moving up on the ranks. As we see in this episode, she gets hailed as the guardian of Godalkin. Also, Andre, who is slash was Golden Boy's best friend. He is investigating the mystery of exactly what went on and why Golden Boy killed himself. Finds out a little bit, not, but not a ton of information here, or at least gets pointed in the right direction. He also kind of misses out on his chance to be one of the guardians of Godalkin, despite the fact that his father, Polarity, who is on the board of the school, is really pushing it very hard in this direction. We've also got Kate, whose power is to push people's minds to kind of control them, to cause them to do things. She is the former girlfriend of Golden Boy. She's very torn up this episode. Making a bit of moves there. Tired. We've also got Emma, whose power is to get small. We found out that her power is caused by her throwing up. That's something that comes out this episode when she ostensibly makes a friend at acting class. Unfortunately, a friend betrays her with a video and tells everybody that she binges and that we need to be respectful. And she's pretty pissed off about that. So we ended a very dark place with her. Last but not least, we got Jordan, who is a non-binary character who can switch from appearing male or appearing female, also seems to be invulnerable, stopped Golden Boy, or at least held Golden Boy back a little bit in the last episode, but is getting none of the credit for it. They're at number five on the rankings in the school and very frustrated about that. And we get a lot of other details and things from the world of the boys. We get an Ashley show up, Bork, played by PJ Byrne, shows up in a very fun cameo as well. He's now teaching in an acting class. That all said, uh, I know I do this a lot at the beginning of shows, but I think it's always good to get to the temperature because we're always very excited or intrigued by the pilot. But now, second episode, mm-hmm. in my mind, that's really the proving ground. That's the point when you're like, okay, does it's sort of the first day. It's the first day. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's whether the show actually works. So, what do you guys think, Pete? Given that you were annoyed about the title, did that waylay you the entire time, or did you like this episode? 
No, I, I think I think this is fun. I think that uh, well, fun's not the right word. It's gross. There's a lot of gross things going <laughs> on and uh, way over the top, intense things, which is you know what kind of the boys' bread and butter, if you will. Mm. Um, yeah, but bl- blooded butter. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's tough, I love though. a dinner roll with a little spread of blood on it. Yum, do you yum, use your yum, own, or do you get it from your blood boy? But well, well I mean, you run out after a while from both blood boys. We could not. I call him Hank. His name's Hank. Alex, you've met him. <laughs> you you call him Hank. That's not his name, but yeah, I don't know his name. He's my blood right. boy. Right, as everybody knows from frequent listeners of this podcast, you always you name your blood boy whatever his previous. Or Can we stop, please? <laughs> Can yeah. we stop? I like I, don't I like so. Hank because it's like thanks. So I always remember like uh, yeah. thanks Hanks for the blood. <laughs> Really uh, what is that? You know, I, I've seen uh, Airbender. I know that uh, if you control blood, that you're not a good person. You know what I mean? Like, that's the dark arts. And so, Pete, I why are you talking about another show? It seems unrelated to what we're talking oh, about. Yeah, can we get back on topic? Oh, you get back you on got track. Me with a Pete get slam. Back on topic. Oh, man. Taste of my own Pete medicine. Slam. Taste, Taste of your my own blood medicine. medicine. I was just trying to change the topic from. Blood. And, uh, but you made a huge mistake in the process. Huge. Why don't you go back to talking about what you thought about this episode? It's okay, gross. I'd like gross. I'm trying. I'm Blood, trying. Yeah, something, it's, something, gross. Bread and it's gross. Yep. It's gross. It's um, gross. Totally gross. Uh, great use of nothing. Uh, nothing matters. Uh, that was an unbelievable choice mm. there. Um, but I, you know, I'm also... I'm pulling for good to win somehow, but it's uh, yeah, it's not looking uh, good. But man, I think you're watching I'm, the wrong television it. program. I'm enjoying it, but man, well, I'm very grossed out. Well, this is not to jump in front of your thoughts, Justin, but this is one of my major takeaways from this episode, which I think Pete is going to have probably a problem with this entire season, is this is much murkier and grayer, I think, mm-hmm. than the boys in a certain way. Like, the boys always plays with that line. And it's always about, like, Huey pushing on Butcher. Dewey and Louie. Yeah, Huey, Louie, and Dewey. Uh, yes, absolutely. It's always about Huey pushing on Butcher and being like, hey, yeah. do better. You can't be as bad as these. Yeah, so exactly. certainly that's something they play the with there. The but mine. we still know, even if we're like, there's good in the seven and there's bad in the boys, we know which side we're on, even as right. everybody kind of moves back and forth. Here, we don't know yet. Like, the thing that I thought was really interesting. You're with the woods? You're on the side of the the woods? No, I think, like, in terms of focusing on our main characters, we clearly have Marie as our central character and identifying point, but she makes a bunch of very bad choices. She also murdered her parents and almost murdered her sister. You can't blame her for that. So I'm. it's hard to uh, be on her side sometimes. And I'm worried about, like, we're watching, like, the origin story of maybe one of the worst we villains might of be, all time. I think that's okay. kind we of might the whole be. point is that who do they grow up to be? Do they grow up to be heroes? Do they grow up to villains? Do they even yeah. want to be? Because this entire school is set up as, like, uh, this is actually a question I was going to throw out to you guys. Do you think it's a... Uh, just general star metaphor? Do you think it's a sports-specific metaphor? What's happening here? I think it's, I mean, it's both. It's the celebrity side of both of those, I think. But just, I mean, it makes sense the way you're talking about the way the Boyds is structured, where it 
goes from like, oh, look, good guys, bad guys. And then it gets murkier as it goes on over the course of any season until it's like pure chaos. And this, I just think like we're going to get. Yeah, exactly. Well, and like, like, like you just saw my child run in. You yeah. know, when you become a parent, your child can kill you at any time. It's part of that. So, <laughs> like, a contract. It's a contract. Yeah. So, like, that's why whenever my kids walk in the room, I have to be like, ah, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, when I put my kids, every morning when I put my kids to bed is what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, Alex has vampire kids. Yeah, they have night work. They're blood kids. boys. Yeah. So, they're uh, blood boys. They're yeah. the original blood boy. Yeah. Uh, I, what I was saying, though, is... Blood boys. <laughs> They're taking your blood, Alex. I'm uh, getting blood from Hank. Oh, uh, okay. All right. I got to I, gotta they, I hate to tell you, Alex. I hate yeah, to tell you, Alex. You're their blood boy. What? Um, yeah. And that's for being a the- parentist. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into our parenting podcast. Let's hear it for the boys or girls. Let's or <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, what I was saying, though, is while um, the boys got had the simple sort of classic superhero teams metaphor and got murkier on both sides. This is, I think, going to be the flip where it's murky, but we're going to get toward these these kids becoming heroes mm-hmm. for the most part. I bet there's going to be a villain in a in the mix here, but I think it's leading toward. It makes sense because there is this central mystery and sort of a a spine for them to follow, not the oh. chunk of spine that you find on the sidewalk when you're um, underneath Golden Boy's explosion place. Right, but I think yeah. sometimes when you're walking and you see a chunk of your old buddy, it really stops you in your tracks and you go the other way. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Turn around. I would also say, though, that like... Would you pick that up uh, if you saw that? Like, if you saw a chunk of your buddy in the sidewalk? No. No? You just leave leave it there? You'd leave it there for, like, a a pizza rat to eat along (laughs) with a piece of pizza? Wow. Wait, seriously? you, You wouldn't pick it up? Like, go get a tissue or something? Maybe that's what Andre was doing. He was going into Brink's office to get a tissue to pick up the piece of Golden Boy. Uh, just Alex, piece of advice. I would get something stronger than a tissue if you're picking up a corpse. It's going to go right through a classic cleanup. It's very thin. You're going to be like, ah, oh, my hand's covered with um, yeah, golden I, I, This show I guess is I, basically a bounty commercial is what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah, strong enough to pick up truly. a chunk of your buddy. Oh, my God. I... I had something to say, but you assholes really ruined it. Uh, no, I think to, to your point a little bit about the murkiness of the show, it's hard because there are so many things going wrong on so many levels, right? Where the, you know, this whole system is a lie. The ranking is awful. And you have these people getting caught in, in, in horrible ways. I mean, the nine binary character, they had an unbelievable ranking, but because of their power and because of, you know, what they can do, which, you know, uh, you don't get to choose, you know, it, it's not as popular. So they kind of it's it's just awful to see all well, the failings, you know, I think that's what they're talking about is the sort of inherent uh, inequities and flaws in any system. But it's also like it's all built on this lie that like everyone wants to get on the seven, this team of heroes, when we know from the boys that they're all basically messed Horrible. up, flawed yeah. nightmares, many of them sociopathic or a couple of them sociopathic villains. So I'd say a lot of them. there's always this inherent flip here, but I think the point of this, it feels like these characters are rising to the occasion because of this mystery that they want to solve. And that was, that's what this episode is all about. I feel like is them sort of becoming and getting deeper involved in this from Kate to Andre Marie, a little bit less, but I feel like she's going to get there. Well, I think so to get back to what I was saying about her being the central character, 
I think what's probably happening here is we're getting a little bit of the refusal of the call type thing going on yeah. where yeah. she literally is like, nope. I don't want any part of this. I don't know yeah, you guys. I don't want to I pose want... for your selfie. You know what I mean? Like, well, I not even know. the pose for the selfie, but like the thing where she's telling Andre, thing. I went out with you guys one night. Like I do not. Yes. Golden boy rained chunks down on me, but at the same time, I don't need to get involved in your mystery of what happened or anything like that. I need to keep, I'm, Got a second chance. She gets in the crime fighting program, which is what she wanted. She is a star. She's rising up the ranks. She's positioned to be in the seven. She obviously gets a huge knockback here when she finds out that her sister doesn't want to see her, or at least that's what she's told uh, right before she goes on air with her interview. But a lot of this makes a lot of logical sense from her part. But to your point, Justin, I do think – I hope we're going to get some turn over the course of the season where she goes from, well, that's leave me out of this thing to, okay, I got to be a hero in some way. Uh, just the last thing I'm going to say, the thing that was very surprising to me was it seems like Andre is re- leading that charge, who is not yeah. who I would have expected from the first episode or the first half of the episode, but he seems to be our main investigative dude right now, which is interesting. Yeah. That's all. We're, it's good. Reluctant, it's your favorite. Reluctant leader. Uh, the problem is... I want a little hope. Like, I know life is very shitty and awful and all the failings of the world and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, when I'm watching a TV show, I want at least a little glimmer of hope or a little bit of like, hey, these people will hopefully write the ship or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's hard when there there isn't that. You know what I mean? And, and it's yet. You know, we're only two episodes in here. Uh, so um, even though it's the first day. But I just think it's one of those things where... Give me a little something to root for, somebody to cheer for, you know, because even the reluctant asshole is still a fucking complete douche. You know what I mean? And I love him as Who's an actor. That? Andre? Uh, yeah, Andre. Um, you know, Sabrina, it was unbelievable. He killed it. He does a great job in this, but it's like, uh, give me, I need a little something to hold on to. I, I will say really quickly, it was very funny to see Jazz Sinclair, who plays Marie and Chance Perdomo, who plays Andre, doing that photo shoot in the middle because I was like, you did that yeah. a million times for Supreme. They've been on that before. Exactly. That's great acting. Well, I, Pete, I would also say there's a, there's enough hope in here. It's just very tiny sparks. And I think the boys is trying. Tiny chunks of hope that are flying mm-hmm. through yeah, the air. And exactly. Maybe and when you find a tiny, tiny chunk of hope, you got to pick it up with a, a bounty, quicker picker-upper, uh, so that you don't get a chunk on your hand. And now to our commercial break. But, oh, that wasn't it. Yeah. Uh, but I think the, the Marie's path is sort of mirroring Starlight from the boys' show. Uh, and they even say, like, um, she's the black Starlight at the end. Yeah, she's either going to crash and burn or she'll become the black Starlight. I'll throw yeah. something else out to you that I've been kind of mulling around a little bit while watching the show. And I think it uh, crystallized a bit when we're talking about it here is the – the way that college shows, we talked about this before this even launched, but the way that college shows usually go, they're, it's tough when you get a teen show and move it into the college years or when you start a college show. There's been some very good ones, but they don't last very long because you don't really have those emotional highs and it's not quite as clear as what's happening, what the arc is as a high school show. I think what they're kind of playing with very effectively in this show 
is people looking back on what college actually is. And what I mean by that is when you have high school, it's all promise. You're like, what could my life be? It could be absolutely anything. And the way that most college shows play it, and I think the way we kind of feel it at least a little bit, or at least I certainly felt it in college, is that same sort of thing. Like, ah, this is promise. I'm deciding something, but there's the whole world is open for my major if you decide your major, or the whole world, I could do literally anything. And then you get out there in the job force, very different thing, a very different way of hitting it. And I think this is people who have been through that, looking back at that, and you have these characters like, I could be anything. And the people who are writing this who are older are like, nope, no, no, no. Some of you are not going to be on the seven. Some of you are just going to be like acting on Riverdale or acting on like yeah, a regional Yeah, that was a fun shout out to the Riverdale. Prize. Come on. Fine that was a consolation prize. You minored in murder, that though, would be Alex. Peak. Yeah, I minored. You know, I mean, Riverdale is an unbelievable show. What are we talking about? I minored in murder with a major in being a blood boy. So, yeah. Wow. Really diversify. Give yourself two pads. Yeah, I ultimately uh, didn't end up using either, just to be clear. <laughs> I, I think you'll find, as we discover, that you did. Uh, what I was going to say is that what I like about this episode, and like you're saying, the pilot is always sort of its own thing, and then the series really begins in the second episode. This episode I thought was much funnier. A lot of great mm-hmm. classic boys style, like throwaway joke lines. And it sets its focus at, in criticism, satire, on the media for a lot of this, and the way that, like institutions shape the way that people are. And you just have the character like Jeff, who I thought the guy on the crutches, who I thought was just super funny, like being such a like monster, but doing it in a way where we laugh. And then the, the person conducting the interview or producing it was named, was her name Courtney Fortney? Uh, I think so. I was like, yo, (laughs) (laughs) that's, that's some, that's a big choice. Yeah, that dialogue was really good. The whole way that she was delivering the thing, like, we're uh, we're kind of product testing Guardians of Godalkin, even as I'm saying it. It sounds like there's too many syllables. Like, all of that stuff, it sounded like PR folks, and it was very good. Um, yeah. I also, on the same note, I know I mentioned this earlier, love P.J. Bird. Great to see him as uh. the whole scene in the acting class where he hated oh, it that was so just... much. Was great, but the line towards the beginning, which I, I didn't write down, but the thing where he's like, I know you're all feeling this tragedy right now, and you're feeling like this is inappropriate and we shouldn't be doing this. You're wrong. This is when the artists are most important. And that's yeah, that's what they do, man. They come out and they say, They do that. That's well, and that's like the sort of the density of the writing here. It's like him being a dick, but saying something that's, you know, sort of vaguely true that you could hear in an acting class potentially. Then you have somebody saying that he showed his dick to Minka Kelly, and that's why he's stuck at being a professor. That he's like, how did I get here? And sort of a joke, but also this guy's on his last legs. And then he says, bring the funk, not the junk. Which I was like, what? What a roller coaster ride of truly like 60 seconds of a scene was just like four jokes, wins, losses all over the place. It's just a really, I, I love the writing in this show. But what's also tough is like we get to see Ashley and uh, that guy, the acting teacher who we remember from the thing, and we're like, oh great, I know these guys. But then it's like, oh yeah, they're awful too, you know. And it's like, what are you looking for a hero here, Pete? I'm, this is, uh, I'm searching. I'm searching holding, for holding out. Would you say for a hero? Yeah, 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 exactly. But uh, I'm going to send you to some old, like late 1930s Superman cartoons that might be more your speed right now. Mm-hmm. All right, great. Uh, I would like to say though the 
the use of the Jumanji joke, the setup and execution, I knew you were and, love that. and then like yeah. later you hear him yell Jumanji, like, oh, that was just that was magic. It that was, was nice. as soon as they time. set that up, I yeah. was like. Oh, we're gonna hear Jumanji later. That's just you know, when you know they it's good set up. They shot that but perfectly too. Perfect. For anybody, yeah. for anybody who uh, forgot what happened in this episode, so you got this douche character who is making fun of Kate at the memorial or whatever it is for Brink and Golden Boy, kind of making fun of Golden Boy a little bit. She's not quite sure what she hears. And ultimately, he's he's wearing basically. I, I couldn't read it, but it's clearly like a MAGA hat. But for superhero mm-hmm. stuff, like it's the red and white hat. Uh, and then she pushes him and she's like, hey, you're going to get and find a big baseball bat and hit yourself in the nuts every hour on the hour and yell Jubanji. And like we're talking about, like the way they filmed that, it was just you don't even see him in the shot until the very yeah. end. And he's all the way in the back and walks in and hits himself in the nuts. Perfect. Perfect. Not yells Jumanji. Perfect shot. Perfect. Not shot. <laughs> That's what I call a perfect. Can we talk about some of the more serious storylines, though? Like Emma's in particular, she's going through it this episode. I felt yeah. so bad for her. Well, it seems like her her role here is like she started off sort of like fine, uh, but she's really slipped down into just bad things happening over and over again for her. And you hate to see it, but like she's setting up to be part of the the team. I think, right. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing that was nicely done about this, we talked a little bit about how they're playing off of issue-driven storylines on the show in a very specific way. And despite the fact that the first episode was like, yeah, she throws up, but it's not binging and purging or anything like that. This episode was like, no, it is, though. Like, whatever she's saying about it. At the end, she throws up because she feels bad. So clearly there's some deep psychological stuff going on there. And same thing with Marie and the self-harm. Yeah. Where we get that montage at the end where they sort of yeah. put it all right next to each other yeah, to just I was be so very worried. clear oh, that so everyone's using their powers to hurt themselves. Oh. Yeah. Um, which I think you got to do. Like, you got to dive into that metaphor and you got to really deal with this stuff and then figure out – you know, to be clear, if there are people who binge or purge, if they have disordered eating or if they self-harm, there's not necessarily like a quick fix or an easy fix. And I don't imagine the show will be like, and they're cured, the end. You know, that's yeah. not what happens and that's not what should happen. But to deal with that as an ongoing thing and figure out responsible ways of doing it, well, you still have chunks of people flying out and crotches getting ripped open so you can find secret phones and things like that. That's great. Like, that's a great place for... Um, a superhero show to live, and um, I'm mm. excited about it, even if it's kind of tearing I, my heart out. Of I'm, a, I'm a little worried about it because it is such a you know it's a huge topic, and you know uh, you know I don't want it to be a punchline or a joke or a thing you know so I'm just worried about how it's going to all go down in such because this is such a dark place. This I mean the woods is awful. There's so many triggering awful things in the show. So I'm. I'm worried about walking that tightrope. Uh, you know what I mean? Well, what I like about this show is that it's not, I think it's very much not using it as a punchline. A lot of other times things like this are referenced, specifically like characters cutting themselves. It is a very one note. You just see it and it's sort of a shorthand to be like later. Yeah, this person. Never, yep. or, or it's just like, you just it's just their whole character is that. And I think the point here is like, 
whatever has brought these characters to this, their individual places where they're harming themselves took a long time to get there. It's a like deep seated trauma and difficulties they've had for a long time. And they're not just going to turn around and walk right out of it because they have a win here. It's going to take, you know, the time to walk back away from that, that choice and that, that the way that they're treating themselves. So I think that's a really smart way of doing it. And I'd point out as an example of something that worked well over in The Boys, the sexual assault of Starlight, which was not dealt with well in the comic book, but something that they treated the way that it should be treated beyond the first episode with Starlight and really dealt into it and have never forgotten about it. We've talked a lot about how the deep hilarious how he keeps getting knocked down a peg, but he's never really had a, re- a redemption arc and neither should he. Um, so I think they're aware of this stuff. So I, I yeah. feel like not to get into lingo or anything, but I feel like the franchise has built up enough goodwill at this point for me to follow them on this journey and see how they deal with it. Um, and if they can't deal with it in a deep way for these characters, I think that's going to be really Thank interesting. You. I mean, I didn't like the way you used the deep there, but other than that, I I hope you're right. Mm. Mm. Uh, What do we think about the moment where Marie makes the choice that she does, where she chooses to take credit for that? Like, it really builds up. Yeah, that was tough. But you you understood what was going on. Like, she got her bell rung with that blonde lady, you know, uh, you know, talking about her family and everything. And, like, that whole kind of realization that, like, the sister doesn't want anything to do with her. And I love, I think they're doing a good job with that. Like they're not just going to kind of make it like, Oh yeah, she forgives you and everything's great. You know, because I feel like, you know, if your sibling murdered your parents, it would be a tough thing to get over. So I'm glad that they're kind of dealing it with that. And I'm hoping that, uh, you know, the sisters can find a nice way to kind of get back together. At least as I, I get over it. If if my brother murdered my parents, I feel like I get over it. You were like, "Oh, I get it, dude." Yeah. They were yeah. they were pretty annoying. Yeah, it's all right. You're like, it's "You cool. go to bed at 8." Kapoor <laughs> blood powers. <laughs> you go to bed at 8. The worst yeah. thing a parent can say. <laughs> That's the, a pretty decent bedtime. Yeah, I <laughs> well, just to talk a little Look at you you're outside of big parents over there. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Just to talk a little bit more about this storyline. So this is part of a bigger thing where now that Brink is out of the way, we got this new Dean who is stepping up, who has a lot of interest in Marie and seems to be trying to mentor her in some way. But she also very clearly we get to see the woods this episode. We get to see the big revelation as we find out um, that the kid is Sam who is in there. Um, who is um, Golden Boy's brother, right? Golden yes, Boy's brother, who is supposed to be dead. Yes, exactly. So she knows a lot of stuff. Ashley also knows a lot of stuff, as we find out in the phone call at the beginning. So there's a lot of murky secret stuff going on here. And definitely with the look that she gives at the end when Marie confronts her and says, did you know, did you know about my sister? She says, no, I didn't. They embrace. And then we can see the Dean's face and it's clear. Yes, she did know. So she's manipulating Marie and using her in some way to what end. We don't necessarily know yet. Um, But Interesting stuff going on there, I think, dramatically. Yes, Pete. Dramatically. Yeah. I had a question. Did you, guys, hand, did you guys think it was a little much to uh, have uh, the kind of like secret be in the cock part of the statue? You know what I mean? When you open up the cock of the statue, you know, to get the, mm-hmm. the secret kind of info. I felt like 
you know, the foot would have been fine or, you know what I mean? Like, well, there's a long tradition of pirates hiding gold in the cock. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, see, I didn't know so that. I think that's, no. the, yeah, it's that's a the job reference. of the coxswain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Pete>? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you mad about it, Pete? You brought it up. <laughs> I, I just felt Dumanji. like... Dumanji! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how Golden Boy... I, I wanted something a little more out of that, to be honest. Like, the idea that Golden Boy somehow... Opened up the cock of his statue. Taped a thing on his cell phone. Yeah, opened up the crotch, put the phone in there, closed up the crotch so it looked perfect. And then they open it up and take it out. And he's like, bad things in the woods. See you later. And that was pretty much the whole of the message. It wasn't that big of a deal message. There were other ways to hide that message. But I've got to say, if Golden Boys had flame powers, basically, I mean, it makes sense. The crotch would have been the easiest spot on the statue for him to melt and then reform in a way that looked. I think so. Just sort of a, the like, head, like a bump. You know what I mean? Like the with, the, with the head, you got you can't re-sculpt the face with the crotch. You're just I, making I, I it. I kind of room. agree with Pete about the foot, though. I guess you could have destabilized the statue then. Doing it in the crotch, that's right in the middle. That's the best sense of balance. So even if you melt it a little bit, the top's not going to fall down. The bottom's not going to fall down. That's why the I'm crotch. Saying, is I just the feel like once you body. open a crotch, it's hard to put it back together. You know what I mean? Print that, That's, put that on a bumper sticker. Yeah, that might as well go on your tombstone, dog. <laughs> That's not what I uh, want on my tombstone. It's not? <laughs> no. Okay, well, too late. I already called the guy. We're <laughs> having shared, we have a shared grave. Shared uh, plot? Uh, <laughs> no, shared grave. I said yeah. it, I meant it when I said it. Shared grave. Yeah, dump Stack those guys them. in together. Stack them. They're the first person, who, first trio that died of simultaneous podcast. Really yeah. <laughs> it died yeah, at the same time in three separate areas. Amazing. Uh, Got to yes, shout Justin. out uh, Thimble Dick, nickname unlocked there. Really nice. Uh, I like the henchman bit of like, hey, Bob, I'm Greg. Very funny. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. just only just a goofy joke. Yeah. Uh, very great. Uh, the Siegfried and Roy uh, mix up that we get in there. Just a lot of great jokes. Uh, two things that I'll shout out that I thought were good. Uh, one, I love the no looky lose sign that has Black Noir going ah 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 throughout the yeah. secret parts of the campus. Very fun, and the ending I thought was interesting as well. Like we talked about, yes. Andre is investigating, but Kate comes and saves him, and immediately she's pushed her powers too far and seems to go into a seizure. Another good cliffhanger here. Definitely the sort of thing I'm like, yes, I 100% want to watch the next episode and see what happens. I'm clearly invested in these characters. But I was just like, I was like, you don't have to give such weird details when you're using your powers. If you could do something a little shorter and not so sexual, you know, it might, you know, helps. Yeah, I was just like, look at at teacher Pete, Professor Pete over here. It's like you don't have to. Sometimes that's just so, the first thing that comes into your brain in an extreme situation. Pete. Yeah, <laughs> right. You Turn your flashlight into a cock and then suck that cock, and then uh, there you go. Uh, there was more to that, Alex. But I'll <laughs> let you. Uh, we'll say that offline. <laughs> cool, man. Any other notes for the episode before we start to wrap up here? The big uh, win. The kind of mentor, like that hug, and like seeing her do like make like such a supervillain face on the side was just so unsettling. Like mm, the cre- great use of a creepy hug is my point. Yeah. 
Yeah. Before we wrap up here, though, let's talk about who was best boy. Who was best boy in this episode? Justin, you got an answer there? I, I got to give it up to Kate. I really uh, thought she was great in this episode. Definitely, I didn't expect her to become sort of a, a part of the, the good guy team in such a big way. We'll see. I don't know if uh, that she'll continue given what happened to her at the end of the episode, but I thought she was great. Great last minute uh, uh, resurgence. She's just clutch all that. Pete, what about I, you? I have boy? to say, uh, Emma, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a little worried about her story and uh, she's taking a lot of L's, but I'm hoping she's going to turn into get some W's going. I'm going to give it up to Andre in this episode. I think he's of course. Andre 3000 well, or the Andre in the. Andre oh, in the episode. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, in general, oh, that Andre makes, yeah, that makes 3000. More sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Andre in the episode, he's the one who makes the right decisions. Ultimately, he's feeling very uncomfortable and not sure, but he starts to investigate. He turns away from the promotional opportunity and investigates Brink's office. He makes the moves to go find out what's going on in the woods. He's taking some bold, rash choices, but at least to the point, to the thing that you're concerned about, Pete, he's acting like a hero, unlike anybody else. So we'll so. see. We'll see if he inspires the rest of the gang. And we'll see if we inspire you to support us at patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. To Facebook and YouTube, come hang out. We would love to chat with you about the boys. Apple, Android, Spotify, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at comic book live. On Twitter slash X, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram and TikTok.com. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, the boys. I hear them. I hear them coming. Oh, oh, oh Lord. The boys. Hank. Yeah, I need a pint. Load it up, blood boy. Blood boy.